Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here again and uh, look forward to sharing uh, God's Word with you and enjoying fellowship with you. I've really been encouraged in the last couple of times that I've been here and I want to just thank you for your warm fellowship and, and friendship and, uh, and encouragement as well. And it's, uh, it's, greatly, um, it's greatly valued and uh, may the Lord bless you. Um, I wonder if you could turn with me to 2 Timothy and chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you remember when I was here first back in September, we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 1 uh, from verse 1 to verse 7, and uh, we had a little break from that um, the last time I was here, but I just want to continue on and look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 1 to 7, 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 7. And before we turn to God's Word, let's just come before the Lord in prayer. Let's just pray. Eternal Heavenly Father, as we enter into your presence, Father, we, we come, Father, with rejoicing hearts. We come with thankful hearts because we come in and through the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that as we approach your throne, we are indeed clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We're accepted in the beloved. Father, we know our own hearts to some extent. You know them infinitely greater than we do. But we know we have erred and strayed even in this last week, even in this last hour. And yet, we are acceptable in your presence. We are justified by faith. We are indeed your special people, precious in your sight. And Father, we pray this morning that as we center our heart and mind on the cross and on Jesus Christ, we indeed, Father, would remember all that he has accomplished on the cross for us. We thank you, Father, for that precious blood that was shed. We thank you, Father, for that willingness to go onto the cross and bear that wrath in our place. And Father, we thank you that this morning we do not serve a dead God, but we serve one who lives. We serve a risen Savior. We serve one who sits at your right hand, ever interceding for us. So Father, we know you hear us this morning. We know you will respond to our prayer this morning. And so Father, we pray that you would bless us this morning through the preaching of your word. And indeed, Father, let it be all your word and all your will. And that, Father, it would be indeed from the very courts of heaven itself. And that the Spirit of God, Father, would work in the heart of the preacher and in the heart of everyone here in this room. Each of us need heart work. The great surgeon, the great physician, God, we pray that you would just work in each of our hearts, whatever's going on in that heart, whether it's weariness, whether it's cynicism, whether it's discouragement, whether it's sin, we pray, Father, that you would do that hard work of heart work in each and every one of us. So, Father, be with us now as we open your word. We pray, Father, you would humble our hearts and ready us, Father, to hear your word, and not only hear your word, but receive it, and be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. And so, Father, we pray these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Second Timothy 
chapter 2 and verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And finish reading in verse 7. As we were reflecting the last time, or the, the time before the last time I was here when we were going through 2 Timothy, this letter, 2 Timothy, is written by the Apostle Paul. And he writes this letter while he is in prison. He's in chains. And he is about to be executed. He is about to go into the near presence of the Lord. He says in chapter 4, I'm about to be poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul is about to die. And he's not facing execution because he did anything wrong. He's facing execution because he loves the Lord. And he desires to serve the Lord and to, 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 to share the gospel. And because of that, he is facing persecution. Because as we said at the time that we were going through Second Timothy, when you progress the gospel, two things will happen. One, souls will be saved. And two, the saints will face persecution. And Paul is facing that persecution. He's in prison, and he's on his own. And he makes the point at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4, in my first defense, no one stood with me. But you know, Paul is not on his own because just, just following on from that sentence, Paul says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And so Paul is not discouraged, he's not despondent, he's not cynical, he's not saying, well, if this is what Christianity is about, I don't want anything to do with it. No, Paul is strong. He's strong in the Word and he's strong in his faith. He's strong spiritually. In fact, he says, he's so strong, you, you, that, that, that famous phrase where Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith. And now awaits for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give to me, and not just to me, but all who love his appearing. Paul is finishing well, and he's finishing strong in the gospel, strong in the word, strong in faith. And with that strength by God's grace, he writes this inspired letter to Timothy, his beloved son in the Lord. Timothy is a spiritual son. Paul is the spiritual father. Paul, as we had said before, brought Timothy into ministry. He's seen past Timothy's youth. He's seen past his physical frailties. He's, he's seen past his timidity and nervousness. And he saw a man of sincere and genuine faith, a man who loved the Lord. And he brought him into ministry. 
And Paul is the, or Timothy is the pastor of Ephesus. He is leading a church at a very dangerous time, a very difficult time. And Paul writes this letter to encourage him, to instruct him, and to strengthen him on the journey of faith. And what is Timothy facing? What is this pastor of the church at Ephesus facing? Well, he's facing threats everywhere. There are threats outside the church. The world is persecuting God's people, and Paul is a recipient of that persecution. But the threats aren't just out there. The threats have come into the church. Paul warns Timothy of this in chapter 3, where he says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And false teachers have come into the church at Ephesus, and by their chatter and by their conversation, they're causing people's faith to be overthrown. They are, by their conversation, denying the resurrection. And as we know, if you deny the resurrection, you deny Christ, you deny the gospel. And people are being shipwrecked spiritually. Their faith overthrown. Chaos. Paul makes the point, ungodliness in this church is spreading like cancer or like gangrene. Literally killing people spiritually. And Timothy has his own challenges, his own internal weaknesses, timidity, and youth. So there's a lot going on. And Paul writes this letter, and in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says to his beloved son, Timothy, be strong. Be strong. Be strong, Timothy. If you're weak, Timothy, you won't stand. If you're weak, you're not going to be able to deal with these threats. If you're weak, you're not going to be able to to deal with false teachers in the church. If you're weak, you will fall. You will falter. You will even abandon your faith. So you need to be strong, Timothy. And Paul gives these strengthening encouragements in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 where Paul says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, no need to turn to it, but therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. 2 Timothy 1 verse 13, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Paul wants Timothy to be strong in the word, strong in faith, strong in the gospel. Doesn't want Timothy to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Doesn't want Timothy to become cynical and detached and and distance himself from the fellowship. He wants him to be strong in the gospel, holding on that pattern of sound words, preaching it, proclaiming it, persevering in the gospel, and preserving it in its totality. He wants Timothy to be strong, strong in the Word, strong in the gospel. And brothers and sisters, you need to be strong, and I need to be strong. Strong in the Word, strong in the gospel, strong in faith. We need to be strong. You know, 
if you're not strong as a fellowship, if you're not strong as a believer, you will fall. You will falter. You will get caught up in all sorts of false teaching. You say, no, I won't, Philip. But if you're weak, you'll be vulnerable. If you're weak, then you will be a a target for the devil and his deceptions. You will be. I will be. We need to be strong. We need to have what I call a high level of KWD. I might have mentioned this the last time I was here. But what's KWD? K is knowledge. Knowledge of God's Word. That needs, to be, that needs to be really good. That needs to be strong. Because if you've got a high level of knowledge, then that will lead you to wisdom. You'll read about this in Colossians. This is not just me making it up. It leads to a high level of wisdom. And if you've got strong wisdom, then you'll have discernment, D. But if you've got low KWD individually and as a fellowship then you're vulnerable. You have no discernment. You have no wisdom. Therefore, whatever comes through on YouTube, whatever new book has been produced, whatever new speaker has come onto the scene, some of it may be legitimate, some of it may be good, but there's a lot of it that's not good and not right and is false teaching and is a delusion of the gospel. You'll get caught up in all of that. You'll subscribe to everything coming. But if you've got high level of KWD, high level of knowledge and wisdom and discernment, then you'll be able to discern truth from error. And there's a lot of error out there. The devil wants to deceive this church, wants to deceive you, wants to draw you away from your faith. And there are many ways and mechanisms by which the devil will do that, the world will do that. There's so many platforms out there. There's so many social media platforms. There's so many different false teachers out there. There's so many different cults and so many different variations of the gospel. There are so many ways in which God's people have been drawn away. Why have they been drawn away? Because they've got low KWD, low knowledge, no wisdom, low discernment. So we need to be lifting our KWD and being strong in the Word so we will have knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. So we must be strong. I must be strong so we will be able to persevere on. Fathers, here in this fellowship, you have to be strong today, tomorrow. If you're not strong, if you're weak, when you come home in the evening, you won't go upstairs and do that devotion with your kids. You won't apply the passage of Ephesians 6 verse 4, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. If you're weak, you won't do that. You'll be weary, you'll be tired, and you will justify in yourself not going upstairs and doing that daily devotion with your kids. I know because I've been there. I've justified it in my own heart. I'm tired, it's been a busy week, to look after themselves. But if you're spiritually strong, no matter how tired you are, no matter how weary you are, you'll know that priority is getting upstairs and sitting down with those souls that you love with all your heart and sharing the gospel, sharing the Word of God and building them up in the truth of God's Word so that it will never leave them 
Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I get busyness. I get weariness. I get what it is to be employed. I run my own business. I, I, I get it all. And I've been there many, many times where I've justified just watching the TV, sitting back and saying it's been a difficult day. But if you're strong, fathers, you will center that household in Christ. You will share your, your, your faith. You will, you will open up the Word of God with your wife and with your children. If you're strong, that's what you'll do. You'll see that as absolute priority. And mothers, you need to be strong also. Do you remember Timothy? Paul made the, the, the remark about his grandmother and his, and, his, and his mother and saying, you know, the faith that I see in you, Timothy, is the faith that I've seen in your grandmother and your mother. They had passed on their faith to Timothy. And mothers, you need to be strong too. And sometimes one partner can rely on the strength of another, but you need to be strong also. Because if you're weak, mothers then you will get consumed with the legitimate things of life. The school runs, the music lessons, the sport, all of which are important and good. <laughs> Let me emphasize that again and again and again. I did it with my kids. I did it myself when I was young. Music lessons, bodily exercise, it's all good and it's all the right thing to do. But sometimes even amongst Christians, that can become all-consuming and the main priority and God gets pushed to two, three, four, five, six in the level of priorities in the church. But if you're strong spiritually, you'll make it a priority. I remember going for dinner to a minister who was a minister of a Reformed Presbyterian church. And it was years ago. And, and, and Sharon and I, my wife and I, and the kids went for dinner. And, and, um, and everything was fine. Everybody was having dinner as normal. And, and at seven o'clock... Uh, the minister said, right, worship time. And we were just sitting there. It wasn't a Sunday or it was some, some middle of the week. Uh, maybe it was a Saturday night or something. And they got music books out and started singing. <laughs> and, um, or Sam's out and started singing. It was Reformed Presbyterian. And, and they started singing. And then they started, he started reading the Bible and he gave a little devotion. And I have to admit, it felt a little awkward. Felt a little odd. Strange. You know, one minute you're talking about sport or news or the politics of the day, and then suddenly everything stops at seven and they start worshiping the Lord. <laughs> and I'm not suggesting necessarily that you start doing that, but the fact that I find it odd and strange, maybe it's, just, it's, it's where we are, is where I am in our journey of faith. You know, that was a testimony. That was prioritizing God in the household. That's what, that was him and the family setting out their stall for Christ. And maybe, maybe we need to be a little more like that. Maybe I need to be a little bit more like that. Where we just make it clear to everybody who we are and who we follow and who we serve and who we love. And that young people, you need to be strong also. I'm going to really feel my age right now, but I remember a time, and I'm sure many people here do, when there was, used to be only four TV channels. Do you remember that? Some might even remember only three TV channels, maybe even two. 
But there was a time and when there was only four TV channels. Young people were probably shocked at that. And there was only one TV. And there was no such thing as online. That the only thing that was online was a fish, right? There wasn't anything, there wasn't anything online in those days. There was no platforms, there was no devices. There was one TV, maybe two. Now you've probably got about 15 devices in the household. Count them up. The mobile phones, the iPads, the computers, the TVs, at least 15 platforms. With no longer four TV channels. Thousands and thousands of channels. All, most of, some are good and some are legitimate. But there's many that are bringing filth and ungodliness into the hearts and into the minds of young people and all of us. And young people, you need to be strong because there's a lot of false gospels out there. There's a lot of false teaching out there. And this false teaching and false gospels, it'll come with like light, with like, like litter. It'll come with excitement and, and draw. But if you've got a high level of KWD, if you're strong in the faith, if you're strong spiritually, then you will stand and you will know truth from error in a world that knows very little discernment. And so young people, you need to be strong. And those who are young in the faith, maybe you've just come to faith in Christ this this morning and you're young in the faith, you've been saved maybe a few months, a year or two, you also need to be strong. You also need to be built up in the Word of God and be strengthened by His grace because, because the devil seeks to snuff out your young faith, to snuff it out. The world seeks to draw you away, and the flesh indeed is weak. And so we need to pray for those who are young in the faith, minister into those who are young in the faith, minister into each other's lives. Encouraging each other, strengthening one another, building one another up. This is a fellowship endeavor to strengthen one another in the Lord. You know, sometimes when you wait, when you're in the, a period of time when you're waiting for a, a pastor to come, sometimes we, and I've seen this in church life where we, where we kind of think, well, do you know what? All that you're saying there, Philip, well, wait till the pastor comes. He'll do the strengthening He'll do the encouraging. He'll do the ministering. He'll do the teaching. He does all that. <laughs> we'll wait till he comes. But no, the Lord wants us not to be pastor-centric or eldership-centric, but fellowship-centric. We minister into each other's lives, teach one another, encourage one another. Fathers, our, our older, older men, as exhorted through Titus, speak into the lives of younger men. Minister into their lives. Come alongside them. Disciple them. Older women. Minister into... Use all of that wealth of experience and knowledge and life experience and minister into the young people, the young ladies in this fellowship. As I know you will, as I know you already do, continue to do that. It's not a one-man mission. It's a fellowship endeavor. And perhaps here this, this morning you're saying to yourself, I feel weak, Philip. You're, you're exhorting me to be strong, but I feel weak right now. I feel caught up in sin. I feel weary on the journey of faith. I feel cynical about other Christians, Philip. I'm really struggling. You're talking about being strong. Well, I'm weak. So how can you be strong, 
How can I be strong this morning? How can I be strong in the word and faith? How can I be strong spiritually? Well, the worst thing you can do is rely on yourself to be strengthened. That's a disaster. (laughs) I know that from personal experience, and I'm sure you do too. I remember many, many years ago, we're probably going back about 10, yeah, well, we are going about 10 years ago, the Bain family decided to go water skiing. Has anybody ever been water skiing here? Let me have a show of hands. Has anybody been water skiing? No, one, two, three, four. Some people have done water skiing. Okay, good, excellent. Well, we went, the Bain family went to, to, to do water skiing. Myself and Sharon and my son, Matthew, and my two daughters, Emily and Katie. And for those who have done water skiing, you will know that water skiing is where there's a speedboat and there's a rope on that speedboat and you're in the water with skis. And the speedboat will power off and the idea is, the theory is, that you will come out of that water and you will start skiing on the water. It's lots of fun. Whoever hasn't done it, I recommend you do it. Anyway, this was the, I'd done it before, but the kids hadn't. And there was an instructor there. And uh, my son will kill me for doing this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, Matthew was the first to go up, my son. And the instructor said to Matthew, Matthew, now, the way to water ski, now listen to me, the way to water ski is to hold on to the rope, keep your arms straight and your knees bent and hold that position. And when the speedboat starts to par off and the rope starts to tighten, don't try and get up on your own strength. You just keep your arms straight, keep your knees bent, and even though the temptation will be to try and get up, don't do that. Just allow the boat to take you up. And like his father, he listens to nobody, and what happened was the boat started powering off, the rope started to tighten, and of course Matthew didn't pay a bit of notice to, to what the guy was saying, and he tries to get up on his own strength. And if you do that, and you try to when you're water skiing, fall straight into the water does it again, still not less, straight into the water, and into the water again. Every time the boat parred off, Matthew tried to get up on his own strength. He bent his, uh, his, his arms, he straightened his legs, totally the opposite of what the instructor had told him to do. So then comes Emily, and she was eight years old. She's not here this morning, but she'd have loved this. She was, she, she, she was eight years old at the time, and Emily... Emily was told by the instructor, now listen, Emily, and Emily was just a wee small wee, 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 wee child. And this was a really, really strong boat. And the waters were relatively choppy. So you're looking at this and going, whatever he's telling her, it's not going to work. She's going to find herself right in the water. But the instructor says to Emily, now Emily, I want you to keep your arms straight. And I want you to bend your knees. And when the boat pars off and the rope starts to tighten, don't try to get up. Don't try to get up on your own strength. Just allow the power of the boat to take you up. And so, Emily bent her knees, made her arms straight, and she was bobbing along in the water. And this big, strong boat, this powerful boat started to power off. The rope's starting to tighten, and I'm looking and going, this is going to end in disaster. And the next thing happens, Emily does exactly as the instructor tells her to do, and Emily just comes right out, out of the water, and starts skiing for the first time, and skis all around the lake. She was relying on the strength of the boat, the power of the boat, and not her own strength. She didn't try to get up on her own. 
She was relying on the power of the boat. And you know, as God's people, we need to rely on the strength of the Lord and the power of God. Don't try to do the Christian life on your own strength. It won't work. You'll fall flat on your face. But if you rely on the strength of God, if you trust in Him, if you lean on Him for all understanding, then you will be lifted up and you will indeed move forward on the journey of faith. And so how are we to be strong? Paul tells us, you're to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace that is in Christ Jesus. You're to be strong in the Lord. And what is grace? Well, we know that grace is the undeserved love of God. But really, grace is an undefinable word, isn't it? Grace is just a a word that is just so big and it's so huge that we can't really define it. I remember one time trying to get my head around the word grace. And I was coming out of my business that's based in in Carrie Duff. And if you know Carrie Duff, you'll know there's a reservoir there. Well, it's no longer a reservoir. It's like a water park now before they do water skiing, funny enough. Um, And in that, as I was thinking about grace, and I was thinking about the definition of grace, I saw this reservoir as I was coming out of my business, and I thought to myself, you know, that's grace. An infinite reservoir of rich blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. An infinite reservoir of rich blessings that we have now in Christ Jesus. Read Ephesians 2, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. That we are forgiven that we are chosen, that we are redeemed, that we are justified by faith, that we are being sanctified by His grace, and one day we will be glorified. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. God's grace, the Word of God, God's grace, fellowship, God's grace, the preaching of the Word. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Prayer, the Word of God, God's people. And that wonderful knowledge of who we are in Christ Jesus. Don't try and do it on your own. You've been doing it on your own. Today, let go. And look to the power of God and His strength. And how can we receive that strengthening this morning? Well, maybe this morning you're anxious. You're worried. You have fears about tomorrow. Maybe what you've been watching on TV and the uncertainties that are around us today and the chaos and calamity, the cost of living crisis, the energy crisis, and you're worried. And you fear tomorrow. Well, brothers, sisters, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And be drawn to Philippians 4 verse 6 where Paul says, Be anxious for nothing. But in all things, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. If you're anxious right now, come before the throne of grace and receive that peace that passes all understanding. Maybe you'll say to me, or you're maybe saying in your own heart, Philip, that's all very well. But I can't even pray. The guilt of sin, the weariness of life, the difficulties of the Christian journey. I'm struggling with prayer, Philip. How can I be strong if I can't even pray? You're not alone. 
But more importantly, Hebrews 7, verse 25. Remember this and be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Always, the Lord always lives to make intercession for you. The Lord is always praying for you. Romans 8, verse 28, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Is that incredible? That even when you struggle to pray, the Lord prays for you. Whenever you struggle to even articulate what you want to say, the Spirit of God makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Be strong, brothers and sisters, in the Lord. Maybe this morning you're caught up in sin, even as a believer. And we've all been there. That besetting sin, that secret sin, that repetitive sin, and it's drawing you down into despair. It's causing you to withdraw from, from service, from ministry. It's, it's, it's causing you to just go through the motions of the Christian life. And you're here, but you're not here. Weary of sin, guilty of sin, struggling to pray. Will Ephesians 1 verse 7 be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, Jesus. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. When you come before the throne of grace and confess your sins unto the Lord, he will forgive you of all of your sins. You may not be forgiven yourself. Others may not forgive you, but I can assure you of this, God will forgive you of all of your sins. And those who are outside of Christ here this morning, your sins might be many, as all of us were. But God is gracious. He is merciful and He is forgiven. And if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, He will cleanse you of all sin, of all unrighteousness, and make you right with Him. Not by works, but through faith, and faith alone in Christ. Maybe you are like Elijah this morning, burnt out, cynical, looking at other Christians and go, do you know what? I'm done. Just like Elijah. Elijah thought he was the last man standing, last Christian on the planet. Sometimes you might think that way. Sometimes we all might think that way. And Elijah's in that low point where he doesn't even want to go on. Maybe that's where you are right now. Well, brothers, sisters, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because read that passage. Read that passage of Elijah under the broom tree where God allows him to sleep. And he feeds him miraculously. I love that passage because God doesn't say, Elijah, do you know what? Get over yourself and get on with it. doesn't say that. Because God is caring and he's loving and he's merciful. And he's a father in every sense of the word. And he allows Elijah to pause on the journey of faith. And maybe this morning God is saying, you need to pause. Yes. Yes, even in a Baptist church, you can pause. God allows us to pause, to be revived, to be restored, to be re-energized, and to be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Elijah is fed miraculously. He's allowed to sleep. He's allowed to pause. And maybe the Lord is saying, pause. 
Maybe you're like Joshua, about to face a battle, and you're worried, and you don't know how you're going to face that battle. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, where God says to Joshua and the messages to all of us here, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But Philip, is grace sufficient, you may say? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? Absolutely. Paul, remember that thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, and he says concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And verse 9, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Don't go to the world. Don't go to the things of the world. Don't seek strengthening in yourself or in others. Look to the Lord and trust in him and find strength from him. And God will strengthen you this morning. Paul says, in the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Here's a principle of passing on the teachings. I think he's talking specifically about elders there. But I think there's a broader principle here of passing on what you have learnt. Older men, pass it on to the younger men. Older women, pass it on to the younger women. Those who are older in the faith, pass it on to those who are young in the faith. No, 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 Philip, we're waiting for the pastor to do that. That's his job. No, that's your job. That's my job. That's all of our jobs. To strengthen each other, to minister into each other's life, to teach one another, to use our gifts for the building up of God's people. I've looked at it, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are not like this, but I, I've looked over church life and experienced over church life when there's a pastor to be appointed, and it's almost as if we're building up lever arch files of things that need to be done in the church. People need to be encouraged, people who need to be ministered into, people who need to be strengthened, and we build all of these lever arch files, and as soon as the poor pastor arrives in the door for the first day at work, here's the lever arch files. <laughs> and that's not what God wants. God will bring a pastor in his time and his will and his way, and that will come. But until that time, strengthen each other in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Minister to each other. Teach one another. Use each other's gifts for the building up of God's people. And as we close, what does this all look like on a Monday morning? If you're strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, how do you apply that in your daily life? Well, Paul uses three occupations in the timeless nature of God's Word. These occupations are still around today. Soldier, uh, uh, athlete, and farmer. Let's look at soldier. Paul said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So what is Paul saying? Be a soldier, Timothy. Be a soldier, brothers and sisters in Christ. And what does that look like? Keep your eye on the one who enlisted you. Keep your eye on the Lord. When you keep your eye off the Lord, that's when everything goes wrong. When you keep your eye on the Lord, that's when everything continues to go right. And secondly, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affair of life. We need to make sure we don't find ourselves entangled in the civilian affairs of life. What do I mean by that? 
There's lots of legitimate things that we do as Christians. We work, we play, we do social, we have hobbies. All of them, let me emphasize again, are all good, all legitimate, all of the Lord. But sometimes as Christians, we can become entangled. It it can consume us, even a hobby, our work, our business. And again, I've been there many, many times, fallen many, many times, become entangled many, many times. And as God's people, I've seen this in ministry where so many people say, I can't do that, that you're asking me to be a Sunday school teacher, I can't do it, I'm too busy at work. I I, I can't commit to the Wednesday night prayer meeting because there's just too much going on during the week. What they're saying is, I'm entangled, and I get it, and I understand it, and I know how we can find ourselves in that place, and we can justify being entangled, and sometimes even as God's people, and I'm looking at my own heart, sometimes it suits us to be entangled, it suits us to be busy with the legitimate things of life, but God is telling us this morning, you're not to be entangled. You're to be like a good soldier who keeps his eye on the Lord. Yes, do the legitimate things of life, but don't be entangled by them so that you cannot serve the Lord effectively and productively and do the work for your master. So therefore, as God's people, maybe the application this morning is disentangle. What do we need to disentangle? What do I need to disentangle myself from? What do you perhaps need to disentangle yourself from? so you can be effective for the master. Secondly, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. What the call here is for obedience. Some people think that now I'm a Christian, I can live a reckless and and, and, and worldly life. No, you can't. No, you can't. And if anybody has told you you can, and if everybody told you that you're safe if you live that way, then they have taught you a false teaching. If you're caught in sin, willful and unrepented sin, and your life is marked by the world, and you live a contradictory lifestyle, John makes it very clear in 1 John, the truth is not in you. It is the case that there are those in the last, in the day of judgment, will presume that they're okay, but in reality, they've been disqualified. Not that they've been saved and lost, because we don't believe in saved and lost. They were never saved in the first place by their life, by their actions, by their worldly conduct. They have proven that they had not truly experienced the new birth. So as God's people, we need to take sanctification seriously. We need to be obedient to the Word. We need to pursue holiness and just, and, and just living. We need to do the will of the Father. Yes, we'll sin. Yes, we'll struggle. But we need to be marked by men and women of God who pursue a life of holiness and obedience. Run according to the rules, lest you be disqualified. And finally, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. I know absolutely nothing about farming. And having spent two and a half years in Oma Baptist where there was a lot of farmers, I still don't know anything about farming. But I know this, that a farmer is a 24-hour-7 occupation. If anybody's a farmer here, you'll know that. It's a total heart commitment to a 24-hour-7 work. And if it's not done right, then disaster everywhere. And so as God's people... We need to see Christianity, our faith, is not an hour on a Sunday morning, an hour on a Wednesday night, but it's 24 hour 7 commitment to the Lord. And so as God's people, as I close, 
This morning, yes, we are going through challenges and difficulties. Timothy was, Paul was. And Paul's exhortation was to be strong, not in your own strength, because that never works. Remember the, the water skiing illustration. But be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, that infinite reservoir of rich blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Let's have that high KWD so we will have knowledge, wisdom, and discernment so that we will be strong in the faith, strong in the gospel, strong in the word, so that we will stand and strive forward together for the glory of God. And so if you're worried, come before the throne of grace and call out to the Lord. If you're struggling and cynical like Elijah, know that God will allow you that time of pause, revival, and restoration because he's a loving and caring God. If you are ready to face a battle and worried about the outcome, remember that the Lord is saying, be strong and of good courage. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you're caught up in sin, know that the Lord will forgive you and cleanse you of all sin. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And indeed, be like that soldier. Keep your eye on the Lord and disentangle yourself from the legitimate things of life so that you can serve the master effectively. And run according to the rules, lest I, lest you, lest we are disqualified. And thirdly, it's 24 hour 7. The hard-working farmer will receive the first crop. Paul could look to that reward in glory. And we can too, if we work for the master, if we keep our eyes on the Lord, if we burn brightly for Christ, if we live for Christ and encourage others to do so. Amen. Let's just pray. Eternal Father, we just thank you for this time spent around your word. We thank you, Father, for how your word instructs us and strengthens us and builds us up. And Father, this morning we just pray that you and you alone would be given the glory. We pray, Father, that your spirit would strengthen all of us in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. For those who are weary, for those who are weak, for those who are struggling, for those who are cynical, for those who are finding it hard, for those who are caught up with guilt of past sins, Father, we pray that this morning that, that they would make rich application of your word to their hearts and that indeed, Father, they would be lifted up and strengthened through prayer, through the Word of God, by your Spirit. Father, we pray that we would all be high, KWD. We would be high in knowledge of your Word. We would be wise, and indeed we would be discerning, so that we would be able to discern truth from error. And Father, as we reflect on so a soldier, athlete, and farmer, Father, let us apply that in our lives tomorrow, that we keep our eyes on the Lord that indeed we disentangle ourselves from the things that have gripped us, legitimate though they may be, that indeed, Father, we would be jolted this morning, convicted this morning of sin and worldliness that perhaps still resides in our heart and in our patterns and practices. Father, help us to put away sin, confess it unto the Lord, and pursue holiness and godliness and Christ-centered living. And indeed, Father, let us not be one-day Christians, Sunday morning Christians, but Father, we pray that we would be, we would be encouraged, Father, by the farmer illustration, that if we work hard, that we give all to the Lord, we will indeed receive that well done, my good and faithful servant. So Father, we pray that we all would burn brightly for Christ, that we would center our lives in the cross, and indeed, we would live for Christ and encourage others to do so. And we pray these things in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
for the table is all I have is Christ.